Yo, it's the kid Travis Lindsay. Uh, I'm no longer doing the Boys Club podcast because my best friend died. Now I'm doing my own podcast. It's called The Church of Common Sense, which was inspired by the Boys Club podcast, where I just talk about things going on in the world today and me trying to understand and figure them out. If you're not into ranting, bitching comedy, that's fine. That's okay. I have a Disney podcast, which comes out bi-weekly, and you can listen to that one. We're Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, all that random shit. You can listen to that one, where I get drunk and I review Disney movies. So if you like rants, go to The Church of Common Sense. If you like fun stuff... Go to Hi Dad Soup Podcast, where I get drunk on Disney-themed drinks and food. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Fuck Scott McLean. Do not take product if you are hypersensitive. internet and welcome back to the intoxicated podcast i'm your host sarah mcclellan and if you're brand new to this podcast this is a comedy variety talk show where i get personal with comedians creators and characters welcome to the official goodbye to 2020 if you're hearing this as soon as this comes out, it's very likely it's going to be on New Year's Eve. Um, normally release on Fridays, but I figure I just wanted to get one last episode in to sort of recap the year that was 2020, what it was for me, what it was for the podcast, and also play 20 clips from 2020. So it is sort of a highlights episode. Um, it was really, really hard for me to do this one because I recorded... Um, 50 episodes this year. So I've only missed two weeks in the whole year, which of course I think is impressive and awesome. And I should be proud of that. That's always been something that I'm very proud of the consistency of this show and the ability to keep it up over this crazy, crazy year. I mean, for me personally, my year started off on a high note uh, in January and February. I was in the midst of planning the first ever Intoxicated Live show, and that happened on February 28th, and it was a great success. It was definitely one of my top highlights of the year, obviously. It was just so much fun, and I was very, very proud of the show that I put on. Um, and, you know, I've heard from a lot of people that it was one of their favorite moments, too. So um, I'm I'm very, very happy about that moment that started at, you know, obviously before things went to shit. Uh, and things certainly did go to shit uh, in more ways than one for myself personally. And of course, when I'm talking here, um, it is sort of talking about my journey with 2020. Everyone has been different. Um, but 2020 was a year where the baseline was a collective trauma, essentially a, a collective experience in this pandemic and adjusting to the pandemic. And just before the pandemic sort of fully, fully hit, one of my best friends died. Um, Andrew Vaughn passed away on March 18th, um, you know, a couple days after lockdown officially happened. And that sort of kind of, for me, set the tone for the next seven to eight months of the year. Um, it was... Just, I, you know, I think back to lockdown and the pandemic and grieving Andrew's death and, and those 
weeks, um, those first couple weeks of the pandemic. And it was, I truly hardly remember anything I did during that time because it was just, um, you know, life hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, I was out of work. I did, I didn't get renewed for a job. So I was unemployed for a very, very long time. I was also dealing with all of the trauma that we all dealt with, with the pandemic and isolation, living alone, uh, and not seeing my friends like I normally would have. Um, so, To say that we've all been through a lot is a fucking understatement. We've all been through a lot. Um, And for me personally, that involved the added layer of grief and something that I don't have that much experience with other than grandparents and, you know, people that I kind of knew dying. I've never had someone this close to me die. Um, And so to experience that um, while also experiencing pandemic world events that were very impactful as well and eye-opening it was just a lot 2020 was a lot for a lot of us this has been a time to sit with ourselves get to know ourselves face ourselves in a lot of ways for me personally this is the longest i've gone being alone and i would even say that both physically and emotionally, because those are two different things and they are very much so connected as well. I've always been an extrovert. I've always been a people person. I love socializing. I love talking with people. Obviously, I have a fucking podcast where I talk for hours and hours each week with people. Uh, And so this year for me was a forced time for me to face myself in the most sort of manic (laughs) way possible. But at the same time, um, despite all of that darkness and stress and depression and all of that, I think a lot of people, and myself included, I will say, have become quite resilient and adaptive. And people learn to adapt. You know, we started Zoom calls and uh, Intoxicated did a lot of live streams. We had the live debates that happened a few times over the lockdown. I can't actually remember how many live debates streams I did, but it was quite a few. And that was, you know, that held me together. Being connected with people in that way was a new challenge, but it kept me together. So thank God for that, because, you know, I don't know how I would have gotten through this lockdown without the connection to the comedy scene and friends and family. And even though it doesn't beat the in-person experience, it was still something. So we became resilient. We we got through it. Um, and uh, for me personally, it's it was pretty wild because a lot of things happened this year that were in my favor, um, despite it being such a shitty year. Um, I would say close to, you know, June or so, or maybe even slightly before June, I started to think about doing comedy, trying it. And July happened and the city opened up and slowly but surely stand-up comedy returned to Halifax and I start going to shows again and my love for comedy just just reignited like it I needed it more than ever this year and I think when comedy returned and I remembered the feeling of watching comedy and the experience of it it just made me fall in love with it again and it made me want to try it made me want to try to dive into this crazy insane thing to do 
Um, and I did do that. So end of July, I did my first set and I hit the ground running and I, you know, I hit up mics every single week since then. I did 29 sets in 2020. Wish I could have gotten to 30 just for my own um, (laughs) personal sense of pride. I wish I could have hit that round number, but it is what it is. I'm very proud of the fact that I stuck with it and I kept going and I had good sets and I had bad sets and I didn't let the bad sets stop me. Um, And I had a freaking blast. I just truly found a thing, another way to sort of express myself and the things that I've been through in life that is fun. It connects me with people. It is a performative way for me to show people who I am. Um, And so that was a huge moment for me in 2020 was starting stand up and falling in love with it and kind of establishing it for me as something that I want to keep doing in 2021 once, you know, things get back to normal and I'm able to do that. I think personally for me, I hit a true high point. I would say like August, September time. I would say like August to October were the best months of 2020 for me. I was doing stand up. I was still podcasting and I was having so much fun on the podcast. I think doing comedy for me made talking with comedians even more fun on the podcast and, you know, having the ability to get back together in person as well during that time was just it just made it so much better because obviously I'm going to keep podcasting whether I have to do it remotely or not but in person is just a -a one-of-a-kind experience especially for long-form podcasting which is what intoxicated is so it was a huge high point for me to be able to do comedy do podcasting and I was just kind of riding a big high for a long time there um it was kind of exhausting at times but like in the best way possible it was a good exhausting um Also during that time, I did the live debates show, which was another live event for Intoxicated. That happened in September, and that was another really successful live show. Um, So again, you know, things happened this year for me that were really sort of groundbreaking. And I know that that sounds cheesy to say, but it truly was a year of firsts for me. It was a year to step into things that I've always wanted to step into. And, um, you know, obviously we have to ride the waves of COVID. We have to adapt to that. And so things are shut back down again and things are on hold again. And that momentum came to a screeching halt, um, which definitely for me kind of sucked because I kind of felt like I was on this massive high um, and then things got shut down again and I was kind of forced to like to stop. And I think that that momentum was what made me keep getting better. And so now I'm in a place where, again, I'm forced to sit with myself and figure out how to work on stand-up without having the stage time. Um, So that has been a challenge for me, but I have been trying to write. I'm making that a priority to come back into 2021, hopefully, with some fresh new jokes um, and to make the old ones even better. You know, and when I say old, I mean, you know, 29 sets old. That's not that's not really old. Um, But it was one hell of a year for intoxicated and for myself personally. Um, Ups and downs and the downs were really, really, really bad. Um, But the ups were really, really good. So for that matter, I am thankful for 2020. Um, And on that note, you know, 
some new updates. You know, I just started a job that I'm wildly excited about in the podcasting field. And that is, you know, a huge thing for me, the fact that I get to work in the thing that I am passionate about. So I'm hitting the ground running with that. I am going to be trying my best to be the best damn podcast producer that I can be, learn more about podcasting. And honestly, guys, you know, this new job and learning more about podcasts, um, it's making me think differently about this one. You know, it's making me want to make this podcast even better. And trust me, this podcast is going on four years running. Four years, it'll be four years at the end of February 2021, which is insane to me. Um, And I don't tend to miss weeks. I stick with it. It's been a wild ride on this podcast. Um, And so... I wanted to update you guys on some podcast things, you know, some things that I'm thinking of, some things that might change in the new year, what I kind of want to do better and what I want to keep going with. Uh, I mean, first of all, for me personally, from a production standpoint, I want to get more organized with this podcast. I want to make sure that I'm not, you know, getting any last minute guests. I want to have backlogs. I want to do batch recordings. Um, That's just, you know, personally on my end as a producer, something I have to get you know, my shit together on uh, so that it isn't a stressful experience and so that I don't end up resenting this podcast because that's the last thing I want to do because this is something I love doing. Um, But I certainly don't want to get it to a point where it's feeling stressy and uh, causing me anxiety because that becomes less fun. And if you're doing a podcast as a hobbyist, it should be fun. So that's just a note for myself personally, what I'm going to be doing. I'd obviously love to get some new guests on the show. If you're someone who's listened to this podcast over the years, you know that it is what I would call a comedy variety podcast. And what I mean when I say that is it's a mixture of guests. So it's mostly comedians that I say would be the majority of my guests. But I do reach out to content creators, performers, Uh, You know, I've had past year a magician and an actor on. So I do want to expand that out a bit. I want to get some different kinds of people on the podcast while keeping that sort of comedic conversational nature going. Um, And that has always been my biggest challenge with the podcast is finding good fits for this because I can have new guests on probably way more often than I have. But for me, it's always been a thing of fit. And can they have a really, you know, all over the place conversation? Can they speak to a number of different things? Can they get personal? Can we kind of deep dive into things? Or is this more of a service level conversation? So for me going into 2021, that's going to be a big priority for me is figuring out who I want as guests um, and who you guys want as guests. Um, So I'd love for you to let me know, you know, reach out in some way to let me know who you've liked seeing on the show, who you want to see more of, who you think I'd fit well with. Like, I always appreciate guest, you know, suggestions because I'm doing this alone. I'm, it's been a one woman show for this whole time. Um, and so any feedback that you guys can give me on the podcast and how to make it better, more interesting, more fun, I'm, I want to hear it. So send me that feedback if you'd like. That would be amazing. I want this thing, I want this podcast to grow. You know, it's it's been a consistent growth, I would say, with the show, but it hasn't been like this massive growth that I think it deserves. Um, I think the show deserves more listeners. Um, so 
I am going to be narrowing in in 2021 uh, and focusing on what I can do to grow this show. Um, I know for myself, I have a lot of ideas. I have a lot of things I want to talk about. Honestly, I mean, if I had the option to have my own podcast empire where all I could do is just podcast full time on whatever I wanted, um, I would have a thousand podcasts. I would have a music podcast. I would have a beauty podcast. I would probably have a podcast about mental health, you know, where I can put those more serious conversations. In my mind, Intoxicated has been a variety show because, you know, sometimes we get serious, we deep dive into who we are as people, um, and sometimes it's silly and fun. Sometimes it's focused on stand-up comedy, and sometimes it's focused on just other life things. So it is a variety show in that sense, um, but for me, uh, I think I have to focus it more so that this show can grow. And to be honest, at this point, I don't know what that's going to look like. It could very well look like maybe taking a small break in 2021 to reassess the show, the format, uh, how I go about things, and maybe just like reintroducing the podcast. Um, Because I'm not stopping it. You know, there's no way that I would ever stop this podcast right now. Um, But it could be worth a reintroduction. You know, like almost a rebrand of sorts. So we will see if that happens. But like I said, I want to make the best show I can for you guys. And so I would appreciate any feedback that you guys have if you are someone who's listened uh, for a while. Some of my favorite moments of 2020, um, obviously the Intoxicated Live Show, the Debates Live Show. Um, I would say like the 15-hour the live stream marathon that I did in lockdown was definitely a highlight. I did a Taylor Swift zoom dance party with nikki glazer which was like one of my most joyful moments in lockdown when i was just in the throes of being highly depressed and grieving um that was sort of a a really fun memory that i have obviously the release of folklore and evermore have been huge highlights for any swifty um this year i'm very grateful for both those albums and I would also say, yeah, starting stand-up. I would say Ladies' Night, my second set, is something that I will always remember. It's something I have footage of. Um, and, you know, it's just really cool to look back on that. But also uh, a show that was more recent, the the Spooky Bitches comedy show that happened back in October um, was a highlight for me. It was just such a good show. I feel like I did probably one of my best sets that night um, out of the 29 that I've done. <laughs> you know, I, I know that I'm still a big newbie, but um, it was one of my more favorite show experiences that I had in 2020. Um, Starting roller skating was definitely a highlight, a fun new hobby that I picked up, and I only did it a few times, but those few times were a lot of fun, um, and it's kind of nice to know that I'm going into 2021 with something to look forward to in the summertime, where I can break those babies out when the weather's good and get back to roller skating. Um, so like like I said, guys, trying to be positive, trying to focus on the, the good things that happened in 2020. Um, I do have some shout outs to people, specific people who personally really helped me, really um, were kind of like my lights during these dark times. And I'm not just shouting this person out because she shouted me out on her podcast and it made me cry right on the public bus. Uh, But Geneva Dickey with JE Matchmaking is somebody that I met the year before, um, but obviously we stayed good friends. She's just a huge inspiration for me, someone I always love talking with and having on the show. And I've just loved seeing her growth over 
over this year how adaptive her business was during lockdown. You know, J.E. Moshmaking just didn't even blink, you know? Uh, she just instantly changed all of her events to virtual. She just friggin' rolled with it, rolled up her sleeves, and gave it her all. And she's just, I just, if you're hearing this, Geneva, like, you're truly one of my favorite people. And I'm so grateful for your friendship um and you're you're just you're part of my wolf pack i call it you know i'm i'm building a wolf pack of women who um can lift me up and who i can lift up and so geneva is definitely part of that with je matchmaking she also was part of the 15 hour live stream i have a whole video on youtube from her segment that i did with her and she's going to be back in 2021 you guys i'm getting geneva back on the podcast to talk about you know love and dating and relationships and all of that so geneva dickie with je matchmaking for sure i obviously want to shout out my comedy gal pals who I've gotten really close with uh, this year, and especially since starring comedy myself. That is Alva Marie Sparkles, Kirsten Finch, and Adrian Gabriel. Also part of my wolf pack. Also women who just are so encouraging of me, so supportive of me. Um, and, you know, the phenomenon of the group chat really took full power this year. And we have this awesome group chat where I can, on a daily basis, talk to them uh, I can write whatever I want in that group chat doesn't matter what it is sometimes it's we go on silly conversations and sometimes it's very serious but no matter what it is I have those girls and I'm so incredibly thankful for them I also want to mention uh, a new friend Vanessa Allen she's someone I only just recently met when she did an episode with Jim Temple uh, and then I instantly was like well you're coming back on by yourself because this was obviously a connection fated to happen she's a recent guest of the podcast and she's gonna be back you guys as well uh because she's wildly talented we have a lot in common um and it's just really really nice to meet someone who's kind of in a similar life situation as you you know we're both single gals been single for a long time we're both in kind of comedic fields she does acting and i'm doing podcasting on stand-up so we both relate to each other really well in that way and i'm just very thankful to have met her shout out to vanessa allen you're you're amazing girl and uh, i can't wait to hang out once you're back from your christmas break in terms of the comedy side of things obviously like I did a whole series on YouTube, Sarah Try Stand Up, where I kind of documented my journey with starting comedy. But I do want to just quickly shout out a couple people who really obviously stood out to me. Um, Matt Baker and Travis Lindsay, I think, were the two people who pushed me to get up there and do it. I think Matt literally pushed me up on the stage because uh, I showed up uh, you know, at an open mic and he was like, there's a spot available. Go do it. Um, <laughs> so um, Matt and Travis have been very encouraging, very supportive. Also, I've had a lot of support from people like Scott McLean, who have definitely helped me um, with jokes. Brian Otter, I went over jokes with as well. People like that. And uh, also a big shout out to Martin Edwards, um, host of Mega Comedy Mondays, uh, who always reaches out to me and offers me spots on a show and a room that mean a lot to me, um, because obviously that is Andrew Vaughn's old room. And um, um, that's kind of where I was introduced to stand up in Halifax. So uh, really cool and awesome that he will always reach out and offer me a spot on that show. Big shout out to Martin Edwards. Honestly, guys, I could go on forever about this. I could just name every single guest from 2020. I just want to give the hugest thank you to everyone who came on the show in 2020. It was a great year for Intoxicated. It was 
awesome and i had a lot of returning guests as well and now is a great time to go over this so i actually did a tally of all of the people who had multiple appearances on the podcast this year and i tallied them all up and i made a little list here so um i will start with uh people who have been on twice uh mitch tuesnard brian otter and vincent alexander were all on the podcast twice in 2020 and then a bunch of people were on the podcast three times uh, Martin Edwards, Adrian Gabriel, Matt Baker, Durham Laporte, Alva Marie Sparkles, Kyle Barnett, and Chris Halef. So big shout out to you guys. You guys were all on the podcast three times. And then the top spots, um, Travis Lindsay coming in second with four appearances on the podcast, which is crazy because I had totally forgot about um, the beginning of the year. We did a boys club crossover episode. Uh, and then Travis did three recent appearances as well that were all very memorable episodes of Intoxicated. And the winner, you guys. So this is what I'm calling the ultimate Intoxicated regular um, award goes to to Albert Coombs. Uh, Albert was on the podcast six times in 2020, which is crazy. Six fucking times. Uh, he actually did his first episode with Chris Halef back in January, and I had just totally forgot that that was January and not December of last year. So pretty freaking wild. Big shout out to, I would say, the MVP of the year, Albert Coombs, not only killing it as a regular podcast guest, but also was someone who really hit stand up real, real hard when, when it all returned and really just kind of rocket launched this year. So Shout out to you, Albert Coombs, that gets a ding, and a big thank you and shout out to everybody else I listed, as well as all the other guests that came on the podcast this year. Another thing I just wrote down here was the longest episodes. I did a lot of Rogan length episodes this year. Um, I kind of just said, I don't care. I'm just going to let conversations go where they will. And I will publish really long episodes. It doesn't really matter to me. Um, and I had some really long episodes <laughs> in 2020. Um, just insane. So uh, coming in second with that, I didn't really do a third place because that would because that would take a lot of time. There were a lot of episodes, I would say, like in the two and a half hour range. But episode 176 with Thomas Kennedy was what I thought at the time going to be the longest episode. That came in at around three and a half hours. Um, but Travis Lindsay with episode 177 was the longest episode of the year. And I think of the podcast ever, you know, like in terms of a standard episode. I think I've done maybe longer two-part episodes, but in terms of a, a standard interview episode, this episode came in at three hours and 46 minutes. And it's a doozy episode. You know, I would say it's one of my favorite ones that I've done on the show. It is called The Ecosystem of Comedy with Travis Lindsay. This was his kind of grand reappearance on Intoxicated. And it was just a great episode. If you're into comedy, if you're into the business of comedy, I highly recommend episode 177 with Travis Lindsay. All right. So I went over favorite people, favorite moments. I kind of talked about 
the journey of 2020 overall. I did get a couple listener questions um, for this episode that I'll go over now. So this is really cute. Someone just wrote, do you need anything with a heart, which is so sweet. Um, I've definitely been experiencing what I would call a mixture of end of year depression, holiday depression, seasonal depression, just kind of everything stockpiled for me. And it has been a little bit rough the past couple days. But actually compiling things for this episode pulled me out of it. Um, So it's kind of a weird godsend in a way, doing a clips episode because it's a lot of work, but it also makes you look back on what you've done. And it definitely cheered me up remembering just all the great episodes I did this year. So no, I I don't need anything right now. Um, I'm good. I've been taking it easy and I've just been trying to put myself first for a while. Um, So that's really sweet. Do you need anything? I think we have to ask our friends that a little more often. Some other questions here. Uh, What is one catastrophe that you fully expected would happen this year but didn't? Ooh, that's a good question. I feel like I feel like 2020 for me was the year of trying not to have expectations, good or bad. Um, If you think everything bad is going to happen, you're just going to live in fear, and that's no fun. But if you are overly optimistic, you're going to get you know, a slap in the face when bad things do happen. So I feel like this was a year of neutral um, expectations for me personally. Maybe I I, I might have expected uh, COVID to be more prominent where I live, and it really hasn't been that bad here. Um, you know, even when we were at our worst in terms of cases, in comparison to every, everywhere else, we were still doing quite well. Good. So I think when when uh, this pandemic happened and sort of you're seeing how it's impacting all these different areas around the world, it obviously puts a lot of fear into you. And obviously, COVID is very real and very, very serious. And I'm certainly not saying that it isn't. But I think I expected it to be more widespread here, maybe. Um, and that didn't happen. We've really gotten it under control. We cut it under control to a point where we were able to reopen kind of like normal um, back in July. So we're in kind of another mini lockdown now in terms of restaurants and bars are closed. Um, There's restrictions on gatherings. But for the most part, like it's like a semi lockdown. It's not like a full lockdown. So I think I probably would have expected maybe another worse lockdown or just for COVID to be literally everywhere. I'm still a little surprised that I don't know anyone who's had it yet, you know, like personally. Uh, So that's kind of strange too. Like, but again, I'm very happy that I was wrong and then that didn't happen. So we're very lucky here in Halifax to kind of have COVID under control. Next question. um, Was there a negative experience in 2020 that had a positive consequence for you? Which is such an interesting question. Um, and I'm trying to really think of one and it's real, real hard. Um, I guess that the lockdown itself was generally negative, but I think it helped in some ways. I think it helped me, um, get to know myself better, put myself first in terms of, um, taking care of myself, um, focusing on the simple things that can make you happy. But also, I think my love for comedy ignited in lockdown, and it gave me the time and space to write jokes, flesh out my jokes, practice my jokes, to a point where when things opened up, I was able to get up on stage and do it. So 
in a way, yeah, in a way, lockdown was beneficial to me in the long run, but I'd never do it again, and I don't want another one. So knock on wood, I don't want it to happen again, but uh, some positives definitely came out of being in lockdown. I also lost a job, you know, back in March. I was unemployed, uh, but... Having that almost desperate drive to find work uh, led me to my new job that I have now. Uh, And who knows if I would have found that if I was stuck in a job that I was just kind of doing to work kind of thing. You know, who knows if I didn't have the space um, to be actively looking for what I wanted, I probably wouldn't have found it. So unemployment in a way helped me a lot too. Not so much my finances. But in terms of finding the new job where I'm at now, it definitely did help. I love that this person asked a question about Taylor Swift. All Too Well is Taylor Swift's best song. Tell us why. I mean, have you heard it? Just listen to it. It is her best song. It's her best song because I think musically it's just amazing. Um, But also it's a song that tells an entire story in one song and it's very detail oriented in the lyrics. And it's just, it's just created some of the most heart wrenching lyrics of all time. So I think that that's why it's her best song ever. Although, you know, a lot of her new songs are given all too well a run for its money, you know, not to the point of beating it, but on par. Taylor Swift's new music is uh, amazing. Okay, so I think that that wraps up sort of my solo episode portion of this episode. 2020 has been a fucking year, uh, and I'm ready to put it to bed. I'm sure all of you guys are too. Um, So I do just want to take this time to say big thank you to you for listening to Intoxicated, um, whether you're a new listener or a returning listener or whatever it is, um, thank you so much for supporting the podcast. I want to. Th- I also want to thank everyone who's reached out to me, sent me messages about the show or messages about comedy, like anything that you've done to engage with this podcast. I am thankful for. So thank you so much. If you do really dig the show, obviously, I'm going to ask you now to leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps out the show. It helps get more eyes on it. And that's what I want, people. I want more eyes on this podcast. So an Apple podcast rating or review would be amazing. But obviously, if you can't do that, telling a friend would be amazing, too. Recommend the show to any comedy lovers in your life, anyone who just wants to be entertained, Anyone who appreciates long-form conversation hopefully will enjoy this podcast. So tell a friend, give a share on social media. That would be amazing. You can also follow Intoxicated on Instagram at Intoxicated Podcast on Facebook as well and on Twitter at in underscore Toxicated. I'm so close to 300 subscribers on YouTube. So if you haven't subscribed on there yet to check out the video episodes of the show and also my Sarah Troy stand-up series and also some reaction videos and also all the live shows are up on there too, um, go subscribe on YouTube. That is youtube.com backslash intoxicated. Subscribe on there. Uh, hit the bell for notifications so that you get notified when I have a new video up. That would be fantastic. And I'm going to stop with the call to actions because I have 
a bunch of clips to play for you guys from the year of 2020. And to be honest, this was a hard thing for me to do because I did so many great episodes and I've enjoyed all of them. So pretty much, guys, the deal is, is I have so much content and it's very hard for me to remember everything. So I essentially just went through the episodes and I kind of just picked episodes with moments that just stuck out to me right away. Um, So don't take it fucking personal if you didn't get a clip in this episode. I wouldn't even call it a best of 2020. More like favorite moments of 2020. You know, it's not a fucking competition. It's just the moments that for me personally stuck out. Um, So I hope you guys enjoy this. I hope you have a great new year. Happy new year. Happy 2021. There's a good chance that this is going to come out just before New Year's, but that's okay because I just wanted to get it up early for you guys. I wanted to give 2020 the final send off and we will be back to normal next week with guests and all of that. I have a couple people in mind um, coming up that are going to be really, really good. So stay tuned for what Intoxicated has in store in 2021. But for now, let's take a look back at my favorite moments from 2020. From episode 145, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly of Comedy with Andrew Vaughn. I don't want to see you do what I see a lot of young women do when they get into stand-up comedy. And this is going to be a little controversial because I said young women. Yeah. I don't want to see you sex use this. No, it's not even sex material. Do as much sex material as you want. Yeah. It's, it's like, I don't want to see you use this as a tool to talk about your frustrations with dating as stories on a weekly basis. Yeah, no. I don't want to see. I don't want to see another fucking female comic <laughs> get on stage. And I, you know what? Fuck it. I, I let's backtrack. I don't want to see another female or male comic. Get on stage and tell me what about they did this week. Yeah. Unless you're Travis Lindsay. Yeah. Or you're fucking, unless you're an established comic who yeah. knows how to take that story and twist it into something that's funny. Absolutely. This is not journal, this is not live journal live where you fucking no. read your thoughts. This is not no. therapy. No. This is not these, the, at the core, these are jokes. These are jokes. At the core, these are jokes. Yeah. And I'm I'm sorry if you wrote eight paragraphs in your journal and you think that's a set. It's not. It's not. Yeah. From episode 146 with Matt Baker. Because yep. it's one of those things that I'm I'm still constantly learning about the business side. Well, you have the personality. First of all, you should be a comic, to be honest. You write yeah. funny stuff. Um, so you should at least try. And because you tell me you, that all the time. But if you fail, like there's like what's what's the worst that's going to happen? Like you can just be like, oh, I guess I should not do a comedy, and that's it. Like that's it's it. true. It's not this big thing. Like it's mm-hmm. when you're five years in the comedy, seven years in the comedy, ten years in the comedy, and then you have like a month of eating shit. Then you're like, fuck, did I just waste ten years of my life? Yeah. But if you are a month into comedy and you're like, okay, I guess I shouldn't do this, then you're like, okay, perfect. I know now. Yep. Uh-huh. This is why you have to, people listening. This is why you got to go see live comedy. Yeah. Spontaneous yeah, yeah, yeah. little things like that happen. Yeah. And even if you go a lot, like I go a lot, 
there's still these spontaneous moments that can happen that yeah, make it magical. Like you think going magical. to see a magician live is cool. You got <laughs> you got to realize that the magician has practiced that trick. He's made that dove disappear and reappear. Whereas like when a comic does crowd work, yeah. like that trick's never been done. Never. They don't it's even in, know. It's literally they, in the moment. They don't know if the dove's going to come back alive <laughs> or not. So yeah. when you have good crowd work, it's like way better than any magic trick there could be because 100%. no one knows if you're actually, if the lady's going to be put back together from after she's been sodden. <laughs> from episode 147 with Deva Station. And that one. Really? Yeah, she's finding her face and I was like, go girl. Finding your face. Find, yeah. Finding is your face. this, what do you mean by finding your face? Is that literally figuring out your face, like how you want your face to look, or is it deeper than that? No, it's when you get to create that character. The character. Because, okay. and I, you know what? It took me, like, I've been doing drag 20 years and I only just fucking found my face. Which is Deva, right? Yes, but she's, she's a person and mm-hmm. she's, like, <laughs> I always make the joke now. I spent, tw- I spent 20 years making her pretty. And I never gave her a personality, <laughs> right? And but now, and it's the kids who's who's done this because in I never only ever had one child, and that was Rouge. The rest of them just kind of came with association, right? Right. And I, I know, but it, it it sounds horrible. But she's the only one. Like me and her learned together. We really did, right? I had already come a certain way, and I had learned a lot, and da da da. And then her and I came together, and. It's a story. Well, Lulu put me on the path and she came to me in a dream and told me I had to take care of her. And I remember this story from the live stream. Mm. Yeah, that's some deep shit. That's (laughs) some deep, deep shit. But uh, we learned together, Mm -hmm. like, and learned each other. But see, I'm high again now. (laughs) Again? I think you always have been high. I know. (laughs) Well, yeah. You're different. You're on a different plane now. (laughs) Well, no, it's, I always make this joke. It's like, people say, are you high? I was like, always. Like, I don't know how to not be high anymore. But <laughs> From episode 151, with the tongue-in-cheek ladies, Alva Marie Sparkles, Adrian Gabriel, Miss Shapin, and Tashina Latouche. What's your definition of love? Oh, That's actually a really fucking hard question. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I have one, but it's, but it's not, I can't take credit for it because I saw it in an Instagram quote. Um, it counts. <laughs> But it was like, if you relate to it, then it counts. Yeah, Yeah. totally. It was pretty much, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was pretty much like love is like when someone feels like home um, and it's the place you go to take the day off. Like, like you know when you come home and you're like, oh, I'm just I feel like that's fire. so valid. Is yeah. that romantic love? I see. I would want you said romantic. I love. mean, not necessarily, but I, I would a, want that in my love. romantic. Like, if I was in yes. a romantic relationship, I would want that feeling as well. I think that's, that's a really important part of a true, full expression of love. Romantic love for me is something that, as someone who's been in a relationship for a very, very long time, and maybe some other Spread your wisdom upon but, us. Um, romantic love for me is you're aiming towards that, where the person is home mm-hmm. and you feel safe and you're relaxed and all your boundaries are down. And that's the true definition of actual love. Romantic love, there is kind of a higher degree of I am willing to go that extra mile mm-hmm. to completely acknowledge you and see you and put in the razzle dazzle of that first initial stage of like, 
I am trying to impress you. That yeah. shouldn't go away. Yeah. But we're all humans and it kind of does. But the most beautiful part of the initial blush of romantic love is I am willing to put in absolutely all of the effort I possibly can to make this as sparkly as possible. And if you're in that point of love, like, fucking soak that up. Is anybody else falling in love with her a little I'm, bit right I'm now? I fell in love with her when I first met her, so... Holy shit. From episode 152, Titty Talk, with Martin Edwards and Vincent Alexander. Wasn't there a story about Joel Plaskett messaging you or something? Um, there was... Uh, oh, yeah. Was I um uh it was a it was weird Joel thing. Plaskett, wasn't it was it? a weird thing. It was like um in the summer, uh, it was it was weird because uh, I was feeling incredible because uh, like Melissa like hurt her foot or something like that. And, That's really um, cruel that you would feel so good when and, your wife uh, is hurting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. just like oh, like, it's like like oh like you're sore today. I'm gonna go get a two four like. But um, she was like, because uh, she usually likes to do the five k with like a uh, you know uh, you know my son who's ten who's like it has a ridiculous amount of energy, and uh, likes to do like the you know, the run the blue nose run for you know charity or yeah uh, I feel horrible that I can't remember like I used to have a bit about this and I can't fucking remember it. It's but, like if we raise enough money, we can change the McClellan crest to like something. But they never hit the target. Notice, it was just like oh, can you like you know run the five k with like you know no. And, and, and instead of me, and I'm like, yeah, of course, I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna go like, oh, I don't have the proper shoes or something. I'm just gonna go, yeah. But in my head, I'm gonna be like, oh fuck, like. And I was like, oh man, I'm gonna embarrass myself in front of like my son and like my wife and be all out of breath. Like, I never work out. Like, uh, working out for me is just like, oh, I missed the bus. Fuck. Yeah. I'll walk home. Oh, I walked home today. I'm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Or and, you're running for the bus. Yeah. But uh, I did like the the 5K and I was just like, I I had these tiny fucking shoes that are worn down to fucking slippers. I still fucking have them. And I'm fucking like, you know, like running. And I ran 5K and I was just like, man, if you just take a lot of deep breaths and control your your breathing, your body can excel. I'm like, oh man, this is, you know, this is. Feels good. I did 5K. Like not that 5K is huge. No, but 5K is good. I was. No, man, that's normal. That's like an acceptable level of exercise. I got a fucking message from Plaskett and it was just, (laughs) and it was just, hey, how are you? And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I was just like, I love Joe Plaskett. I'm a huge Joe Plaskett fan. I love Thrush Hermit. Huge Plaskett fan. I was like, oh my God, like, is he going to like ask me to do like, you know, five minutes to open up a festival or something? Like, <laughs> am I, I going to host like a, like a fucking show in Liverpool? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh my God, am I going to be on like the, the, the waterfront going like, yeah, keep it going for Joe Plaskett, everybody. All right. Just like, you know what I mean? I'm gonna get a check for seven hundred and twenty-five dollars and like, hey everybody, dicks, 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 dicks. Can I go nowhere with you? Can I buy some titty sauce with you? Hey, good looking. How about some titty sauce? You know those titties look better with some titty sauce on them. Come on, teacher. <laughs> Take this oh titty sauce, God. you'll be I'm so proud of me. Holy shit. Behind the beads, behind the titty sauce. Oh, I'm so glad I brought Joel Plaskett up. There's so much crossover potential now. Oh my God. From episode 157 with Alva Marie Sparkles. Yeah. 
So we were talking also about before this about mm-hmm. being intimidated by other females and how we deal with that. And I'm it's definitely an issue for me. I've gone to psychic readings where they're like, you don't like other women. Like you have issues with other women. And I'm like, man, like I feel like I'm a girl's girl. Like I yeah. feel like I'm such a like I like love supporting my female friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I do get intimidated, it's this really weird. I used to like be really reactive to it and like you know, kind of mean about it. But now I have to make this effort to be like, no. Yeah. Nuh-uh. Well, n- support. <laughs> You're intimidated by someone. Ask them out for coffee. Learn about how they did it. Yeah, because they're probably killing it and that's why you're feeling that And way. that's the biggest piece of advice that I would give any woman who yes. feels less than because of another woman rather than not liking her for it or going to a negative space in your mind where you're like, I'm not fucking good enough. I'm a piece of shit. Look, she's killing it. Like, look how much better she is. Ask her for coffee. Yeah. Learn. Learn, well, learn story from time. Ooh, story when I time. first saw you, I was like, "Who the fuck is this?" Because yeah. you just like waltzed right into the comedy club, sat down with the comics, and just like started unpacking your equipment. And I was like, "Who the fuck is this?" <laughs> and then I listened to a couple of your podcasts, and I was like, "Oh, like she's quite charming. Like she's she's good. Like I can understand why she was sitting with the comics now. It all makes sense." And then when I was coming over to record the first podcast we did together, yeah. I said to my husband, I was like, I'm really nervous. And he was like about like being on mic. And I was like, no, that's fine. I'm like nervous to like hang out with Sarah. He's like, why? I'm like, I don't know. She's skinny. She has a podcast. I don't know. <laughs> but it's so weird because like now we're friends and it's just like and then like the first real conversation we had, you were like, I am so self-conscious. And I was yeah. like, thank fuck. Well, and, and you sent me such a nice. Well, OK, well, there's two things here because. It's the body thing is it's so funny that you said skinny because I do not consider myself skinny. You're skinnier than me. But we but we've talked about the body image issues thing and how deeply personal it is and how fucking terrible it is. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I gotta admit, guys, like I'm I'm feel comfortable with you, so I'll say this. Like I went through like the month leading up to the live show, I was really like hating everything, really nervous, like Oh, I'm doing this show. I'm going to be on stage. Like, everyone's going to be looking at me. Like, I legit, like, said I was intermittent fasting, but it was like... Start with yourself a little bit. It was like legit probably some disordered eating happening there. And I recognized that it was. And so, like, I'm not doing that anymore. Good. But I realized that I had a problem when I would skip a meal and I would go, yes. Yeah. And it was this weird, like, reward system in my brain. And you're like, no, no, no. no, And my brain went, you just scored a point. You skipped a meal. And I just went, this is insane. What are you doing? Yeah. From episode 165, the 15-hour live stream marathon with Geneva Dickey from JE Matchmaking. Yeah. We've talked about what are some cliches that you constantly hear that you think are uh, maybe not totally bullshit, but not uh, <laughs> like there's more to them than you think kind of thing. Yeah. My least favorite cliche um, is once you stop looking, that's when he'll come. I I'm not going to say hate, but I hate that one. Hate it. Hate it. Then you create this generation of people that are just like in this romantic movie thinking that they're going to walk down the street and drop their books and Prince Charming's going to be there with his blue eyes looking at her. And, you know, that's romanticizing the fact that you need to put a lot of work into finding a great partner. 
It's like, you know, it's like, I've said this to you before. It's like, you know, when you want to get healthy, you're not just going to like start eating carrots and go to the gym. You educate yourself. You go to a dietitian, you go to a coach, you go to a fitness coach and you get it done. The same when you want a really good job, you're going to go to and spend a ton of money in school to get a career. The Mm -hmm. tripod of life is health, um, career and relationships. Yes. So we're spending all of this on health and um, career. Yeah. But for some reason with relationships, we're all expected to just be born with these skills. Yeah. Yeah. And to then go want to educate yourself with that is considered desperate. So oh. if men go and educate themselves on how to talk to women, how to interact with women, how to find a great partner, they're considered less of a man. Breaks my heart. Yes. Yeah. Breaks yeah. my heart. And then women are considered desperate if they're trying to educate themselves to find a great partner. Thank you. Do you know how many yeah. self-help books are on my... There's, I have tons. From episode 166 with Chris Haleff and Kyle Barnett. I have an yes. assumption about Kyle. I just thought of it. Mm, oh, no. I would assume that you on dating apps is that you're kind of a one-woman man in terms of if you are if you like someone, you'll talk to one person for a yeah. long time and not multiple mm-hmm. people. Am I right? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly. Yeah. That's my assumption about you. But that's I also good, sense that you're like thing. kind of a, are you kind of like, a, you're a romantic. Would you call yourself that? Yeah. I, I have in the past, and I'm not going to not call myself that. He's Aww. he's a hopeless he's a hopeless romantic. Emphasis on the hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Ah, uh, we yeah. have fun, don't we, friend? Hey. <laughs> Nothing okay. beats a good old fashioned having fun. But we, everyone we, thinks oh, romance yeah. is a different thing. Like romance can be like as simple as like, I don't know. What do, what do you guys think is romantic? Uh, like uh, a good you- old slap on the ass. <laughs> You know if you what really is, liked someone, what would you do? This is you a know good question for both you of you. Know what, what would you do to romantic? Them? You know what? I I don't even think that's it. I think this is love slash romance is when you might be seeing somebody and something you did may have upset them and they might get like visibly upset, maybe even cry a little bit. And if you in your head look at that and you go, oh, fuck, I really care about them not yes. feeling this way right now. Mm-hmm. That's romance, right? Aww. That's like, I love this person. Like, like you want to make be, feel better? Wanna, yeah, yeah, like where you're like, it's not even like I want to like, oh, I want to stop this situation. You look at them and it genuinely hurts you to see them hurt. Where you're like, fuck, like I I guess I love them. That's I like I like I like trying to remember things that they mentioned that they like offhand, even just like even if it was something simple like like if someone told me that they had a a soft spot for like something stupid like musical soundtracks or 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 like gummy bears or just something stupid that yeah. is like I love these. I try and remember that specifically so I can use that as a frame of reference I'm for later. The same like, way, Kyle. Yes. Like a cool gift idea. Like That's get her a, a box set of a of a of a musical soundtrack or something like that, or make her a playlist of musical songs or something. You know Aww. what I mean? Yeah, get get uh, get the Razor's Edge by ACTC. <laughs> I don't like it when when couples do cookie cutter gifts, like just like a, a bouquet of like you know what I mean, like bouquet no, yeah, of roses never, on a card. Never. I'm like that's so cookie cutter and predictable and boring. Do something card different and, and unique. Bouquet, never. 
Yeah, I always get a girl a um, an ACDC calendar. <laughs> yeah, calendar. no, I uh, one, like, time, uh, one time I got my girl uh, an an SG guitar, just like <laughs> Angus Young, and gave it to her. There's a lot of ACDC themed gifts. That, Did you really? No, never. <laughs> okay, you never been serious. That's pretty uh, expensive. Yeah. Yeah. No girl, there's nothing any girl loves more than a than a, a song about a woman that's being compared to a car that also might be a woman. That's right. <laughs> you know, I guess you could say like when I find the one I love, I I, I might be a little thunderstruck. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, we uh. truly these truly are the solid days of our lives, <laughs> friends. Oh, uh, from your lips to God's ears, Kyle. Oh, here we go. Hey, I'll plead the fifth on that one, brother. <laughs> From episode 167 with Kirsten Finch. Uh, do you feel like there's a strong bond amongst female comics? That's the thing. I do not feel like there's that strong a bond. Because I feel like we're we're kind of like innately wired to have to be competitive. Like I was on a show once and it was like this... Um, New Year, or it was like a New Year's show, and it was called The Young Guns of Comedy. And there were seven of us, and there were two women that year. It was me and another woman. And a very well meaning person came up and after the show, and they were like, I liked you a lot better than the other woman. And I was like, What the fuck? Is I was that? like, Why are you specifically comparing me to the woman? Why couldn't you just said, I liked you better than other people? Yeah, or just like, Or you were one of my favorites, yeah. or you killed it, but like, it. Like, and this person was so well-meaning. They're, to my knowledge, like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. feminist equality, you know, women can do whatever. But it, I think it's hardwired into us to be competitive with other women. And so, like, I'll see, like, bros, and I just, like, I know that I get the sense that, like, guys will not watch my set, or maybe they don't relate to it, or they don't find it funny. But then right. I've had male audience members come up to me and be like that was fucking killer and they're not yeah. just trying to sleep with me because i'm talking about my husband or something that's right or they're there they could even just be there with their wife or their girlfriend yeah and really enjoy it it seems like almost a performance laugh in some cases or yeah. and then like some comics will just like be like ah! like literally screaming yeah that's something that like that is interesting doesn't seem that doesn't seem to deserve that and it's almost like a performative like brotherhood that they're right. engaging in if that makes sense, a performer. I actually, but totally I'm on stage, that. so maybe I'm not hearing them laugh really hard at me. I don't know. Yeah, maybe I, that is. It's like the whole old stories of just like, uh, you know, is a is a woman really telling jokes on stage if all the men are outside smoking? Oh wow! All the that male hurts. comics <laughs> that hurts. But when I first started comedy seven years ago, like out, they would be like the second they indicated that it was a lady. Like, that's when people would be like, I'm getting out my fucking phone or like time for a bathroom break to the point where like they don't even let you get one word out. Oh, for before they're like, fuck this lady. Well, and also too, it's better now. Women get the probably consistently get the you're pretty funny for a woman. Uh, yeah, I I have terrible routinely gotten like, I don't really find women funny, but you were really funny. I've had I get that from women. From but, other women. Guys yeah. have enough sense not to say that. Other women are like, this is a good thing to say. From episode 168 with Matt Baker and Albert Coombs. I just 
just love Albert reviewing Getting to I Do. I think that needs to be a whole episode. Yeah, wait. Do you want me to do another one? Yes. Uh, this book is insane because it's very dated. What is it? It's it's a book by a relationship therapist oh. about how to land a guy. How to land a guy? Yeah. What are they, planes? Um, <laughs> I... All men are planes. <laughs> from from the writer of Getting to I Do comes the next sequel novel, All Men Are Planes. How to Land a Guy. Um, uh, here's the next example. A nice okay. example. Uh, Glenn, a successful owner of a small franchise printing shop, probably at Kinko's, uh, <laughs> like the goals of his girlfriend, Antoinette. She had begun a small children's clothing boutique in her home and was now a manufacturer with her own label. Glenn expects Antoinette to give up her dreams, and Antoinette expects Glenn to give up the butthole. Antoinette requests in exchange for her dreams, she would like to peg the shit out of Glenn. She wants to push that shit so deep inside of him that he will have a tickle in his throat. That tickle, a piece of corn. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, this book is crazy. It's a direct quote from this freakish book. (laughs) Right? There's one in here. Oh, yeah, there's a part where it talks about you can't be a career woman. You have to choose between being a career woman and a woman with a career. Oh, I think I just came across that. Yeah. There is a time to put a career ahead of a womanhood, and there is a time of womanhood for ahead of a career. The biggest mistake is trying to do both at the same time. Can't do both. I usually recommend that young women get ready for a big dick in the what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) At the age of 45, (laughs) ask yourself, what is my priority today? Career or family? (laughs) I don't know. It's uh, It's not that great to read. Mm. Glenn, a successful owner of a fr- small franchise printing shop, like the goals of his girlfriend, Antoinette. Antoinette. She had begun a small children's clothing boutique in her home and now was a manufacturer of her own label. This is the bit that Albert read. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so read the yeah. next part. Yeah, they- That's on the page, just like I did. <laughs> uh, Glenn never doubted himself when his friends would tease him about being a wimp. He and Antoinette fit together in their own way. And it didn't matter to him what others thought. This is a shitty book. <laughs> Wait, hang on a second. Can I, can I go in for one page? Because there was something really interesting written. Um, I love this so much. This um, is, is it? So you read good. that? Like you sit down and read that? Well, I do because... the um, Well, you're getting to I do. You don't do. You're getting there. I'm trying to get to I I think I gotta get the boyfriend first. And then the, there's this whole challenge, which is getting him to marry me. Well, comedy will make you... Undateable. Undateable, yeah. Yeah. No question. Hey, listen, the question is, how do you know if you are in an obsessive relationship? One sign of an addiction is uh, track marks all down your arm. (laughs) Jesus. From episode 177 with Brian Otter. Fuck, I love this episode. When I first met you, I like I didn't like when you came on for the first time. I didn't know you as well. Yeah, because we had never met. We had talked. We had spoken online only. Online only, and then it was so fun. It was great. But then since then, like I've learned 
all these different layers to who you are, all these weird crevices of like your brain. Like there's a lot of crevices. There's a lot going on here, and um, that's why I'm so excited to have you back because like I, I feel like even still. Like, there's just more episodes to come with you. Like, we're not going to cover. There's always more to unpack. It's just kind of unbreaking the iceberg bit I'm an, by bit. I'm an unorganized airport <laughs> at this point. I have so much baggage. <laughs> like, it's, it's, uh, that's who I am. I, do you think it's baggage, though? Oh, like, do you view sure. it as that? Uh-uh. Right. No, but the airport doesn't realize that it's a problem either, right? It's only the people who have to deal with their shit. <laughs> Oh shit! That's and an interesting way kinda, to look at it. I'm glad I said it on recording because <laughs> now I'm realizing it and I'm getting sad. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> no but you're right. <laughs> but it's like when you live with yourself. Mm-hmm. When you when you've been through shit and you live with it in yourself, you get so used to it and you don't realize, like you sometimes don't realize how fucked up it is until it impacts someone else. Yeah, like I don't know. I don't understand somehow when people go through things and they're just like. Oh, people don't take your shoes with a knife from regular people? That's not a regular thing? So it's just like, I don't know. Um, I've gone through a lot of bizarre things, so nothing really surprises me anymore. Right. So because of that, I talk about it as if it wouldn't surprise anyone. And there's a lot of people who have never experienced <laughs> never experienced bad things, I guess. And I'm jealous of them, and I'm super happy for them. But I come off as a lot. Oh, but like I do too. And like that's like the coming off as a lot thing is like that's such part of my uh, big personality. Na- like my narrative almost. Yeah. I feel like. Is- well, I don't think it becomes, I don't think it's your narrative. It's kind of the, the, the structure that then makes that narrative. Yes. Because you, you the, I don't know, it's the same. You make a little Lego tower and stuff. The tower is only going to have the same integrity as all the little blocks that you use to build it to the top, right? Kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. if they're fucking, I don't know, if if those were left outside in the in the rain and the wind and the shit running all over it, you're going to see that on the tower. You're gonna. It's going to start to crumble. Yeah, that's I interesting. Mean, or you can be a strong, weird-looking tower. <laughs> that's my goal. That's what I am, too. I, have you ever felt the need to change for somebody? All the time. This is who I am. This is my biggest problem. <laughs> oh, my God. We're just getting right into it. I didn't think I'd unpack it so quick. Holy shit. Wow. Thanks for having me back. Three minutes in. What's your trauma? Well, the thing is, because no. I was thinking about it before you came over, I was like, because there was a moment in the chat recently where we were talking about, like, how some of us are, like, concerned about coming off stupid yeah. to people. That's my, to be fair, that's, like, my favorite thing to do. When somebody says something that it's, like, super obvious, I like to be like, oh, really? And I act like I thought it was the opposite just to get, like, a reaction from people. Um, but then you do that with strangers and then they think you're dumb. And then yeah. you go, oh, no. Like, people don't realize that this is a joke. And Fuck, it happens to me all the time. I hate right? that. Stop thinking of everyone as your friends. That's the Oh, problem. my God. You're so That's right. That's problem. <laughs> From episode 176 with Thomas Kennedy, the second longest episode of the podcast. No, and, like, some people have, like, different definitions of what a bomb is. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know where I'd put that. But, like, I would say last night was a bomb, but I've heard a, a different de- – a bomb is, like, nothing. Yeah, Nothing at all. Yeah. But that rarely ever happens. Or, like, uh, if you were doing it for money and then 
maybe you didn't get nothing, but you obviously didn't earn that money. Like that's, that's right. a bomb. That's really interesting. Yeah, I think people do have different definitions of that. And for me, like I've definitely had jokes that didn't get anything. Yeah, you can have an but individual I, with joke bombs. But I haven't had a set didn't. yet where no noise has been made. Like yeah, no, and like, that, I've had that happen like once, and I right. deserved it. Right, yeah, I think if there's more silence than laughter, that could be, like, a bomb. You might consider that, yeah, and a looser definition. Of a bomb, yeah. Yeah. Like, if you got, say, like, say you did five to seven, and let's say you did, like, I'll just go by my set list, which is I have, like, ten to eleven jokes. Like, let's say, let's say only three or four of those got laughs. That might be a bomb. In my yeah. Mind. If I did, if I had that, I'd probably call it a bomb too. Yeah. It's kind of like a test, like a pass fail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if you get thirty percent, thirty percent, it's like, well, technically you didn't bomb because you didn't lose anybody money. It's like, okay, yeah. sure. It's like there, it's all semantics. Some people like oh, you're not a comic until you're making a living on it. And it's like, okay, so what do you call these people who are doing open mics? Like we have four yeah. people tonight on this show. Four people come see our people. They tell jokes. Our joke people, like no, right. just they're, they're comics. Whatever. That's also a question I've asked a lot of people on the podcast, um, and I've I've realized that a lot of comics, no matter how experienced they are don't they don't feel comfortable calling themselves a comedian which is very yeah. interesting but it, in in terms of like i would say amateur comedian maybe amateur yeah yeah that i wouldn't be like hello amateur. i'm a comedian <laughs> that would be misleading <laughs> pro comic yeah no i wouldn't even like i don't even know when i would call myself that which is weird because people were calling me a comic before i even did stand up yeah that's a little silly. so <laughs> Because people just assumed. Like, they would just see me around. Yeah, yeah. Like, at the back of the room. And, like, how, they just assumed. How often did people think you were someone's girlfriend? Not. <laughs> <laughs> I think I hit some kind of nerve there. This is going to make me spiral. <laughs> <laughs> never. <laughs> they've never. never. Thought, they've never thought that. Thanks for asking, Thomas. I've heard uh, female comics have that problem. I just, uh... <laughs> Whoopsie! <laughs> I really want to make that into a bit now. Like, like I've I've hung around so many comics and I've liked so many comics, but even even though even though I've never done comedy, I don't even get recognized. A lot of female comics have that you could launch into it. Like, I'm about to make a woman's rights issue. A lot of female comics people assume that we're somebody's girlfriend, uh, but not me. And yeah, then, yeah. I kind of kind of really like that like like people people have never assumed i was a girlfriend but they always thought i was another comic yeah what, yeah. what does that say Do about i look me? like a comedian to you <laughs> yeah. that's insulting i gotta like that what is nobody gonna ask if i blew someone to get on here no <laughs> <laughs> i mean i would tell you to fuck off if you did but i mean i love that <laughs> From episode 177, a very important episode with Travis Lindsay and the official longest episode of the podcast. I think, yeah, too many people are not uh, not confident in the right way. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you be know, because the confidence thing is another thing that I had to constantly, mm -hmm. um, psychologically, it was very strange for me because I felt confident. Yeah. And then I felt bad about feeling confident. Yeah. And and then I was just like, okay, I think my confidence mm -hmm. it might not be in the jokes yet. Yeah. Even though I think the jokes are okay. Yeah. Um, it's more 
me being up there, I'm confident about. Yeah. Because I actually surprised myself with it. Like once I got up there, mm-hmm. I didn't feel that nervous. Um, but it was a weird, it's weird psychologically to like constantly be like, <laughs> I had fun. No, I didn't. No, yeah. no, no. No, you got work to do. Yeah. Don't don't have fun. Like it's yeah. it's it's really strange. Yeah. No, have it's fun strange. and enjoy it. <laughs> but don't start it. thinking about being like, okay, well I'm going to I'm going to book a headline show. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to start selling tickets. You got to fucking be a new comic. Enjoy yes. being a new co- enjoy figuring it out. Yeah. Don't rush to have your name on a poster or whatever. Yeah. You know, I, if an opportunity presents itself, take it. If yes. you want to take it, yeah. You know, listen. I don't blame those. I don't blame I people don't blame, for taking yeah. opportunities. If, if, no, if it, it comes, your they're way. few and far between. That's right. Uh, you got to take what you can get. Mm-hmm. But also, like you know, know your worth. Mm-hmm. Think about how this could affect the scene as a whole. That's that's you know point. Because there are rooms that had one bad yuck show in 1989 and still will not touch comedy. Because the one they'll, bad the show. The one bad show. Ruined it. They'll one go, bad apple ruined yeah, it for the bunch. They'll go, we had a show here 30 years ago. It was fucking horrendous. We don't know if we want to do that again. That's sad. Even though those comics may not be doing stand-up anymore. Mm. You know, probably two out of the three are dead. Mm-hmm. But they still do not want comedy. They go, yeah, this bad shit. It won't even be the same audience, the same bar staff, but the the vibe in that room it's it's tainted. That is unfortunate. So if you are going to do shows in new rooms and that, have a great first show. Don't you don't even necessarily need to put yourself on it. Here's an opportunity. Put a show. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> have a show. And then stack the lineup with two to three really strong acts. And then you can, then you can, once you have, you know, you've curried favor with these people, then you're, then you can take more of a risk. You can potentially have an okay iffy show. That first show's gotta be good. Yeah. Whether Um, they're happy with it or not, and they go, yeah, we're happy with it. But then if you have another show and it's the exact same shit, it's gonna go down and it's gonna go down. And then there's not gonna be any, yeah. Any comedy there. Yeah. You know, you can't burn these rooms down for the sake of boom, boom. Listen, hustle. Hustling's important, but hustle to get good and then hustle to get great yeah. and then hustle to create all these shows. That's then you're creating opportunities true. for everyone else and you're nurturing the scene. You're giving back to the ecosystem of comedy. From episode 180 with Richie Bell. A lot of fun. So like, are, are, you're not someone who would talk about your bad day. No. Uh, if it was funny, <laughs> like if it was funny, I would talk about it. But if it was just a bad day, like, no, no, because there's this thing. And I, and I think a lot of not only comedians, but like people experience it as well, where it's, you almost feel like it's a burden to like bring it up to people. Yeah. You're just like, yeah, this is my bad day. It doesn't have, you don't have to hear about it. Cause it's just spreading the nonsense. Yeah. But, um, there's actually like a study where it says like, if you have like a negative, feeling or like for instance like on the the higher end like trauma like if you have a trauma if you don't talk about it it hangs out in the same part of your brain 
for your whole life. When you talk about it, you're actually moving that trauma around because now it's got a memory of you talking about it to someone and them having a positive reaction to it. It's right. Just like, so it's oh, that's talking about it. Like the whole point of therapy is literally to move the bad stuff, spread it around your brain mm-hmm. so it's not just sucker punch in one small part of it. One. I I want a therapist so bad. I have been in therapy in forever. No, but are are you in it right now? Currently, I'm not in it right now. But you've done it. Um, yeah, I've done it before. I think everyone should, you know, get it checked. Like I think it's a, you know, it's a it's a good as unfunny as it is. It is like an important thing to it is to do it. You know, you're you're a machine. Get a checkup. Right. Yeah, and I mean, it's even such like a blanket statement. Like I feel like we've said like talk about your depression, talk about your issues so much to that it's it holds no weight anymore. Like like I said, like for. For us to like get to a point where it's because right now I, I'd say mental illness is tolerated. Like you could still call into work saying I'm having a like mentally I'm having a bad day. I need to take a day off. And there's they're not 100 percent OK with it. You know what I mean? That's right. There's still going to be that. Oh, he's probably hung over. Sad. He's hung over. He's like there's, it's going to have a stigma to it. We mm-hmm. need to make it so goddamn boring. Yeah. It's just it's as if you were like you were sick. Right, right, right. I have, like, I have the common cold. Yeah. I have, like, a, I have a runny nose. Yeah, I'm pre- I am I feel a panic attack coming. I might be in in a few hours. Oh, yeah, no worries. I get those, too. You get, do you sweat? Yeah, no. Yeah, I sweat. All right, well. Exactly. Like, if we can get it to a point of that, then yes. I, I think that's... We need to make it boring. We need to make it boring. That's so... That's, that's a really interesting yeah. take on it. From episode 182, with a regular intoxicated duo, Martin Edwards and Vincent Alexander. The most embarrassing thing that ever happened to me, and this is like kind of like a crazy uh, thing because uh, it's it's super embarrassing to admit the worst that I ever bombed was the first time that I ever got booked for a real show. Oh, no. The main booker in um, (laughs) in New Brunswick who just runs Chuckles now or whatever they what do they call Chuckles now? Punchlines? Punchlines. Punchlines was Shane, Shane, right? So Shane was in Fredericton or whatever and I was doing an open mic and I killed but it was it wasn't a legitimate kill what it was is there was a bunch of stuff going on in the news and i wrote a bunch of jokes about that the night before just disposable material you were relevant you know what i mean yeah, yeah. You wrote so so i stuff. killed based off that it wasn't off like you know my actual material right. and he was like okay there's the show the end of the month you know i put one open mic on to open and um you know like i was like super excited like i was gonna go and i was gonna do like a hotel ballroom show you know and i was gonna like <laughs> open and you know like i was gonna do like seven minutes and like the, it was gonna be great you know and I was going to get paid and I was going to be a real comic and blah 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 meanwhile I'm like fucking 34 at the time yeah. <laughs> God. but anyway so like- <laughs> Shane gets up and like does like the host thing or whatever and then there's a surprise 20 minute guest set from James Mullinger who's like, <laughs> who's like the main pro in New Brunswick who like just you know everyone super in the lovable and just oh yeah God. exactly he's super affable like oh. lovable like you know just essentially just like it's like if if like he's like the Barack Obama of like St. John like he's right. like just literally just adored yes or whatever so he gets up as a pro comic and then I have to get up with my seven minutes and I get up and 
And this was, a, and he was a surprise. So yeah, he no was a idea. surprise. Was... Yeah, it was supposed to be Shane doing the kickoff hosting, me oh my doing gosh. my seven as a guest spot, the middle and the closer or whatever. Or maybe it was a split middle. That's not important. The main thing is I went up after 20 minutes of explosive, uproarious applause for James Mullinger to do my seven minutes at my first real comedy show oh ever. And I flubbed the first joke and I had dry mouth and it was so bad when I got to like a real joke that was supposed to be like the joke right before my closer to really send my closer home. It was so quiet in the hotel ballroom that you could hear someone under their breath go that one was actually funny (laughs) and we're talking like 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 six no probably about 12 times the size of like this room of your apartment like three back or four back three across full of people in a hotel ballroom or whatever and i bombed and i had to go back and sit at the comics table and face everybody and i didn't even have two minutes to process what happened shane came up behind me put his arm around me like this and said good job buddy and took out a pen and wrote me a check for 50 dollars Oh my god! And I was devastated. I was like, "I'm so sorry." He's like, "No, you did good, man." Which I would do if I was in his position. Yeah, what yeah. you would do, you know, you've done that before for tons of He's people. So cool. Oh, you did good, man. Like, you know, that's Aww. you know what people do well, or whatever. I mean, so he was bust. nice yeah, enough, you, but you still yeah, the money. my yeah. worst ever bomb was at my first ever show. Uh, Not open my real show. Fuck, so that's the story. That's wild. Mm-hmm. From episode 183 with Jim Temple and Vanessa Allen. When I look back at my life, I'm like, oh, that's when the last time I wasn't stressed with work stuff. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about because I was actually having this conversation with somebody the other day and I was telling them about um, when I worked at this like novelty joke store Ooh. for like two years full time. It was like a family run business and it was called Happy Days and it was spelt like Days was spelled D A Z E, so you kind of like got the vibe of what we, what like we were selling. Was this the place that also sold like the aggressive uh, sex toys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we sold sex mm. toys, but like they couldn't be like graphic because we were in a mall, so they had to be like dolphins or like right garden gnomes. Oh my god, I have a gnome it. one. Why? <laughs> I, I don't mean to make this weird, but I do nope. have a gnome vibrator. That has been cleaned. I think I've only used it once in my whole life. And, you, and if you want to use it for a bit, you're welcome to have it. Okay. I've have you only like used sex it. toy comedian I now? I made it weird. I made it very weird. At least I admitted that I used it once. Wait, Sarah, why, hey, did, yeah, you, why did you only use it once? Did it scare you? Curiosity. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is. It, it's like a, a little gnome and his hat is curled. Yeah. And his nose goes out. So Does like, the nose part vibrate? Yeah. <laughs> I knew can we, it. Can we I think I sold that. Should I go get it? Can, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, well you said it's clean. Yeah, it's yeah. it is, yeah. I yeah. To, and also, Jim, if you literally want it, I'll disinfect the <laughs> like if, if you Wait, why are you giving it to Jim? I might want it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I'll get more use out I of it. I feel like this Jim. is gonna scare me. <laughs> yeah, no, this is terrifying. But this is hey, terrifying. I asked for it. That was terrifying. Oh, we sold that! We sold that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sold this? Yeah. You promise it's clean? Yeah. Well, I mean, other than the weird Whatever. drawer dust. <laughs> no, we sold this guy. Yeah. Is that the original box it came Dude, in? What the That's fuck? True. You shall not pass. There's something else in here, Sarah. This is the other toy. So this oh. is the, um, it's a weird duck Tickling thing. D. 
Yeah. Tickling like, D. And I still don't really understand how to use it. Well, maybe we can nice. find out. <laughs> <laughs> well, this podcast is weird. Is officially. This... <laughs> Does he still work? As... I don't think... I'm so scared. I don't. Why would you? I don't know, and that's why I couldn't get into it. It, yeah. it was given to me as a like a joke gift. From I was gonna say you didn't go get that no. yourself. No, no, like like <laughs> I two friends of mine got it for me, and I think just to be like, lol, here's a sex toy. But that I think I think I just used it once for curiosity. And I was like, this is too weird. It's this weird thing. Did you hear Can like the travelocity gnome in your head? There's batteries in it. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say the shop that you worked at was it like a San Francisco situation? Yes. Do you remember San Francisco? Yeah. So we had like yeah, like comic book paraphernalia, like T-shirts, posters, but also at the very back of the store, like all the weird vibrators and like penis necklaces and stuff like that. Isn't that the weirdest thing you've ever seen? Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm gonna have nightmares about this. <laughs> Look at that face. Oh. And it's like the noses for like the, the clit, clit, right? That's yeah. that's. A gnome's nose on your clit. That's that's crazy. That's nuts. That's a nuts thing to me. I don't know. Yeah, it's very, very weird. Sorry, not to like kink shame you. No. You ain't kink shaming me. That thing freaked me out so much. And I think I just couldn't throw it away because I was like still found it so funny. Well, now we get to use it today. So, you know, you're kind of monetizing it. Full circle. Yeah. It's all coming together. Let's open this fucking episode. Holy (laughs) shit. (laughs) Freaking 15 minutes. Wait, is this all recorded though? Oh, yeah. It's been recording. Oh, perfect. We're going to use some of the gnome stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's all staying in. From episode 185 with Alva Marie Sparkles. To the outside, people might go, yeah, that's just drama. But there's a lot of deep-rooted things happening, which are big examples of, I mean, a couple issues in comedy, but I think a big one being that women are... um, We have this weird competitive Well, and we're very much pitted against each other. The pitted against each other thing is so fucking true. Yes. Um... And we were talking about this before, and and it goes back to how we're how we're raised. How we're raised. So you were mentioning like little girls and the compliments little girls yeah. get. Yeah, should we go through? Yeah, some of those? let's go through some of them. Um, so I think the worst one is you're not like other girls. <laughs> I hate it so much. Which and then we're we were kind of led to believe that's a compliment. Yes, you're unique and special. Yeah, you're not like other girls. You're better than them. You're better. Your yeah. other girls suck. You're yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. And then the other one is. Um, you're the prettiest girl, insert, you in, know, place. In the room. Prettiest girl in the at room. The prettiest girl at the party. Prettiest girl in our school. Prettiest girl at the office. Yeah. And it's, why can't we compliment women without putting other women down? God, yeah. You said it at dinner. What did you say? I, I shouldn't have to. What did you fucking say? I want you to bring I don't. Up. I don't have to make you feel shitty to make myself feel better yeah yeah like do you have any advice for anyone who might be going through like a particularly really bad tragedy or like the loss of someone unexpectedly any advice like that you would say get help even if you think you don't need it yet Mm. it's better sooner than later yeah that would be my one major piece is don't let it 
manage yourself before you spiral, not afterwards. It's a lot easier to do before the fact. That's right. But if you do spiral, that's okay. That's okay too. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. And you just do what you can from that point. And whatever point you're at, just do what you can from that point. Mm-hmm. And there is, all you can do is try to do a little bit better. Mm. Ugh. Yeah. Be slightly better than the day before. Exactly. Don't, don't aim to be. 200 percent better yes and, and that goes that's not even just in grief that's in life in general yeah we we gotta fucking take the pressure off ourselves so i got another question for you Ooh, question for me do you think that someone has to pass away in order to feel grief no them? not at all um i've been lately talking about the idea of grieving Ugh. This is going to get sad and I'm sorry, but like grieving um, dreams or things that I thought I've been grieving the things that I thought I would have at this point. Yes. So grieving opportunity. Yeah. Grieving um, your vision of your life. The vision of my life. Like I do not like that I'm 33 and have no prospects for like a long term relationship. I do not like that. This means that I'm probably never going to be able to afford a house. Um, I don't like that this means that traveling is going to be pricier for like it's just kind of this weird snowball of like because where does this put me where does this put me and like and unfortunately even just how I did that order it's all wrapped up in love and wanting love and wanting a relationship and I've just been trying to go okay I, I don't have this yet I don't have the partnership the long-term relationship that could lead to all these other dreams I have um how do I get these dreams <laughs> without the that? Without that. And how do I let go of that need for that part? For that. Because my issue is, and I know that this is my issue, is that I really want it. And I want it so fucking bad that I'm probably never going to get it. <laughs> that's, just, that's just the fact of the matter. Um, and so I've been grieving. Yeah. I've been grieving the opportunity of like loving someone and I've, what I've been just trying to do is I've just been trying to like go, how do I take that and put that into myself and my friendships yeah. and like my little Fulfill passion. Yourself. Yeah. Exactly. And that's fucking hard. It and I don't, hard. I don't know if I'm doing it right, but that is another big part of grief is grieving opportunity from episode 188 with a podcast favorite, Scott McLean. I tried so hard to impress people on dates doing what I fucking wanted to do or what I thought they wanted me to do. Oh, no, and, don't do that. Oh, it works, but it's... it's yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would say, like, if I acted differently, I would probably have a lot more luck with guys. If I acted how I thought they wanted me to act, um, I think I would have more luck with are guys. Are you sure you don't? Yeah. You're sure you don't? Yeah. I'm a, I'm a good fucking date and I'm very honest. In fact, like, honestly, like, if, I've never on a date with if, you. <laughs> but like, I feel this is going to sound weird, but I feel like a podcast episode is like a date in a weird way. Yeah. It's similar. Mm-hmm. And I think like if someone who went on a date with me, then listened to one of these episodes, they wouldn't see much difference. And yeah, well, and that's good. I, I, I think personally, I probably um, open up too much on a first date or maybe always um, me too. like I had a Way date open. like I had a date where we like talked about like our men- like what was wrong with us and yeah stuff. no that's and great see I don't think it is though why not I don't think it is right away. I don't I no, think it's you should right slowly away. bring that in uh, how, how, I don't know how long it was I mean I fucking <laughs> opened I'm, that's my problem 
That's my problem with every fucking thing that I do is that I treat every I am a true egalitarian and that I treat everybody the same. So I'll tell a fucking complete stranger I met two minutes ago about I'll make, I'll crack a joke about how I'm a single father living in his parents basement kind of shit. I'll make those jokes and people they're <laughs> you fucking get to watch their awkward responses because they're not used to people saying that shit and they're like, like oh, oh sorry to hear and you're like what what shut up no i've accepted it's my trauma i'm laughing about it now don't make it fucking awkward but that's the thing people don't uh people people can be intimidated by self-deprecation and or fuck, what is and fuck those people what is what they see as self-deprecation which in your mind is just you going I mean, this just, is the facts of my life yeah and that's the thing about me when i when i do my jokes about being single like a part of me is like e this is so cringy and like stereotypical and like people are just gonna think it's so typical of me but it's like this has been my life like nine years of like living with yourself like of course people in relationships have jokes about they're partnerships. They have mm-hmm. jokes about the everyday things you go through as a couple. It's like, of course I'm going to have fucking jokes about being single. Yeah. It's my fucking life. Yeah. You want this to is just a fact. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I, I didn't I, choose this. <laughs> I, I was wide open with every successful relationship I've had. I was wide the fuck open. I mean, well, no, not quite with Lauren. I did. I did slide into her DMs and fucking pretend it was an accident. That was funny. <laughs> but, uh, but when we actually went on the date, I don't, I don't fucking hold anything back because I was tired. I feel like the 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 thing is, is that and this might just be the male perspective of the male experience is that you go on a date and the guy has to impress the girl. And I got fucking tired of that. And I was like, no, I disagree. You I don't think impress that that's, me. I think both people have equal. I think with dating, both people feel an equal pressure to impress the other. Yeah, I I do think that I don't know, but I I truly there but, yeah, is but, a level okay, of nervousness. Sure, because everyone's going to have their own anxieties and experiences when they are on a date. No, but kidding. I think that they're different. So, like what you said about you, uh, the pressure on men is to impress the woman. I think for the woman, it's I mean, in my case, it's like, am I is he going to think I'm attractive enough? Is he going to think I I was catfishing him? Mm -hmm. Um, Like, is he going to be disappointed? Mm -hmm. Like, those are the insecurities I have going into it. So but here's the difference. So if you go out on a date with a guy that you're attracted to and he's boring and lame Mm -hmm. and dumb as a post can't carry a conversation just generally sucks are you gonna bang him no we are <laughs> we are we're gonna do it you know i don't what? need to like you thank you for <laughs> thank you for speaking the truth but that's the fucking difference but that's the i know exactly i heard from episode 189 with harper mccormick yeah, I mean, I just an easy way to say it is I tell people like, oh, I'm like sober now exactly. because I'm not doing any of it. But I mean, that being said, I, I may possibly again, but I just got to a point in lockdown where it was kind of like, you need to calm down. <laughs> and I started to realize that I possibly have like a problem with like substance control. Mm-hmm. Um, Good for you, though, for realizing that. Thank you. Because... Well, that's interesting that you say it happened in lockdown because well, we, we we were forced into mm-hmm. being out of our comforts. So out of no, there's no more bars, you know, and yes. the liquor store has limited hours and you're not getting together with friends. And so you're kind of forced to go like, 
like how much how much do i rely on the substance yeah like for my life kind of thing well and i also like locked going back to your original question lockdown was like life-changing for me honestly in not, a good way right yeah not wow. even just the like not like stopping drinking and realizing that i had to make that change in my life but also just like getting like to know myself better i like i mean you really just have so much time with your thoughts and like and i'm like what do you need to change? Like, what is not making you happy? And I don't know. I just came out like a completely different person. Like, I feel like the person I was back in March is like a completely different person than I am now. But I actually realized that I needed to stop drinking like post lockdown when we were in like a more controlled environment mm. um, because I kept going to all of these very casual like get togethers. So beforehand, I was always used to like basically like blackout drunk drinking and just drinking until I blacked out and like going to clubs and going to like bars and crazy parties and always like something that was so over like overstimulating. And then I was instead drinking now with a group of like nine people or being at a like bar where everyone's having a couple drinks sitting at like a table together. Mm-hmm. And I was still even going into like situations being like, I need to just limit myself. I would still end up blackout drunk. Mm. And I kind of had like moments in quarantine when there was like this company that I was buying wine from that they delivered to your door. And I would buy like seven bottles of wine and I would start drinking like a bottle of wine. And then once I was drunk, I would just like, I'd wake up and there'd be like four bottles of wine gone. Oh my God. And that's not okay when you're just sitting home alone doing nothing. Right. So I just was like, you need to make the change. And it's been so positive. I feel better mentally. Like, physically i can imagine so my skin is better you look gorgeous well you're always gorgeous but i do actually do see like in terms of a vibe and a feeling from you that things are different it does feel like you are being way more um i don't want to say like you're the true harper but like you just feel settled in yourself i i get that impression 100 percent. and i think before a lot of my issue was i had like almost built up anger that i kept inside of me so like i would and drinking didn't help where i would just be in like negative moods or like be nasty or just like in a negative space and kind of just project that where now i feel more happy and content and yeah i'm kind of just in the mindset like when people get like worked up over things i'm just like like why like there's nothing you can do <laughs> and last but not least from episode 190 with the awesome vanessa allen the only other thing i wrote down here was what are you scared of what are your fears oh again deep what are my fears i mean you have anxiety so oh other yeah than everyday life like like everything uh all of the above <laughs> circle let's get specific here uh i have a fear of like like it's not like a like legit fear but like like being alone forever yeah like never really feeling settled or finding that person mm-hmm. like i think and i think that's pretty honest i feel like everyone has that fear i feel like right now it's very cool right now being alone is trendy yeah and being because like we're the independent all doing woman, it. and like the love yourself movement is like really in full force and like as single women, I think we're almost pressured to be like, yeah, I love it. I don't need anyone. Like, I got, like, I'm independent. It's like, you can be independent. You can certainly embrace being independent, but still want um, that 
to feel that yeah. with somebody. And yeah. I, I'm the same. I think about it constantly, and it's a constant. You think battle. that this might be your existence for like the rest of your life, and you're like. I mean, I'm okay with it now. Like, I feel like I've come to terms with it. I feel like there is a pressure, though. I feel like the self-love movement is helping. But yeah. I feel like before that, there was a pressure to be, like, with somebody. Or, like, have these, oh, like... Ha- ha- well, there always is to have these, like, societal expectations at a certain age. Yep. Like, you should be yeah. married. You should have a house. Why are you still in student debt? All and that they're still stuff. there. But they're less. But they're still there. Yeah. Like, there's still a lot of challenges that would face somebody who's single versus somebody who's not... Like, totally. There's a great movie, Spinster, with Chelsea Peretti. Yes, I love Spinster. It's a great movie. Um, yeah, I, I did it. an audition piece from that movie, like for my oh. when I applied for my agent, and um, uh, it's her friend who is married and has kids, and like yeah. helping Chelsea or Chelsea, whoever the character's name is. I didn't watch the movie. Gabby, but, Gabby, Gabby. 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 Um, and she's like, yeah, like people treat single people like such shit sometimes, and it's true. <laughs> It's like what and you know, I get that from a lot of older patients. Mm. Like people who I transport who are like, Oh, do you have a husband? I know. Oh, do you have kids? And I, I have to always be like, No, I have a cat, you know, joking. <laughs> and they're just like, You're sad and I'm like, I know. Um But there's still like from the older generation, this societal expectation and I just I hear I hate when patients ask me. I know they're just trying to be nice and make conversation. Right. That's probably the norm back when they were my age. They're probably all married or whatever. Exactly. But you, there's like, they ask me that and I'm not, there's like always a big, no, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, that's not me. That's not my. I hate that. I don't like yeah. it. I, I, I've always been honest with just being like, I don't like, I don't like this. I don't like, I really do want someone. And like, even just saying that is judged. Like, yes. Being like. It's like, oh, well, you shouldn't want anyone. It's like, well, you still do. You still do. Because eventually that's how you see your life, like, not ending, but, like, the end point. Eventually. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Who's it's cool be- in your 20s and 30s to be like, oh, I'm just going to, like, you know, sleep around and, like, you know, mm-hmm. do me. Mm-hmm. But eventually when you're in your 40s or 50s, you know. It's so important to, like, find things outside of that. Like, and I can't stress that enough, like find things outside of validation from men that make Mm, you happy and really do focus on those. And yeah, you can still want to find somebody and make efforts where you can to do that. But someone who compliments what you're already doing with your life. Exactly. Not someone, you shouldn't be totally dependent on someone for your happiness. No. You shouldn't feel that that is what's gonna make your life better i always say and it's like a weird thing to say but like romantic love should not be unconditional you should not be in love with someone who beats you you should not be in love with someone who's toxic like Mm. there are conditions to romantic love like i think there's this grand romantic idea that like yeah okay you meet you find your soulmate and it's unconditional love and they're there for you no matter what but it's like no there's limits i think yeah. like yeah okay if you have a fucking like son or daughter like yeah, yeah. that should be unconditional love but, but in a like when you're when you're choosing yeah when you're choosing your partner when you're choosing, yeah, no. that's just exactly it. you're choosing you're choosing and you're allowed to be picky you're allowed you're to like, don't settle yeah you gotta and i have no idea what that is like but maybe we'll find out someday. Also, yeah, maybe <laughs> someday. Like, there's so many times that I'm just like, am I ever going to know what it's like to get flowers? Or like, yeah. or like, I don't know, these like really simple like relationship. Like, I'm not even, I used to be so like 
wedding, house, kids. Yeah. Now I'm like what's it like to have a guy hold my hand? Yeah. Or like, what's it like? <laughs> or just like read in bed side by side with like, like simple... different lamps on you. You know, in comfortable to... silence. All I want is comfortable silence with someone. I want to be on my phone next to you. But I feel like because I've been single for so long and we've talked about this, I'm so comfortable with myself now Yeah, and being alone that it like, of course I want it, but it's not, like, a need anymore. No, it's not a need. Like, I don't want to end up alone alone, like, by when I die. But, like, it's not... I feel so comfortable being alone and being independent. There you have it, guys. That was 20 moments from 2020 on the Intoxicated Podcast. Remember to leave an Apple Podcast rating or review if you do enjoy the podcast. Or share it with a comedy lover in your life. Thanks so much for listening. Happy New Year, and we'll see you in 2021.